This is What Book Cooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode, I'm excited to have Farah Nasrishi on. She is the author of the upcoming book, I Hope You Get This Message, which comes out on October the 22nd from Harper Teen. And really good conversation with Farah. We talk about uh, her childhood, uh, what sort of uh, brought her to writing this book, and kind of diving into all that. Uh, it was a great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. So listen in. So Farah, what book hooked you? Ooh. Um, so I thought about this question a lot because how far do you really have to go back? You know, I could I could say this this uh, picture book called Chrysanthemum um, by I think it's Kevin Hanks. He wrote that book. Um, and that was like very, very formative to me as like a person and viewing myself. But I don't think that was the book that really hooked me on writing. So I want to talk about that. And I think for me, it was the Bartimaeus trilogy uh, by Jonathan Strode, Stroud, I think it is. Um, and the reason why is because it kind of breaks structure. So it, it taught me that books didn't have to be read a certain way. Um, I don't know if you've, you've read that series, but basically it has footnotes um, where, you know, the character will kind of have this, like, you know, big, long description, and then you'll see the little asterisks, and you go down, and there's literally footnotes of him kind of supplementing what he's saying. I was like, that is insane. Like, I've never seen that done in a book, and I've never seen it done um, well. So I think that was probably the book that really, really hooked me on what it meant to write a story. And at the end of the day, there is no right way to write one. It's just what works and what's most fun to read. And I think that book was a really, really good example of that. Um, and also it was a story just ultimately about friendship and there's no romance or anything, not really. It's just fun. Um, so yeah, I think it was a part of my trilogy. Great. And in your life, your timeline, when when did you find these books? Um, pretty late, actually. It, you know, it's a middle grade series, but I, I think I read it in ninth grade, which I think is the perfect time to find that series because ninth grade, I mean, people talk about how middle school was really sure. bad, but ninth grade was even harder for me because that was the point of my life where I was being told that now you have to think about your entire future. No, middle school like was awkward. It was painful. It's still all the growing pains and all of that. But ninth grade is like, oh, now I have to suddenly grow up. And now I have to think about college and post-college. And every decision I make in high school is somehow going to indicate what I might be for the rest of my life. So during that high-stress, high-anxiety period, finding the Bartimaeus trilogy, which was this book that didn't really take itself very seriously. I mean, it's a trilogy. But this this, this trilogy didn't take itself very seriously. It was just fun and lighthearted. Um so that's when I started reading it, and I think that was the best time to read it, honestly. Great. And you read this in ninth grade. Were you always sort of up until that point, were you someone that was a big reader? Yeah, for sure. Um, I loved reading. It was the only thing that my parents could kind of use to coax me back into the house. Mm. I grew up kind of in uh, Chadsford, King Square area. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's really rural Pennsylvania. Um it's all horses. It's all cornfields. Um, so my childhood was, was spent pretty much outside in literal thickets. And um, I would spend hours playing kickball and clearing out these thickets to find like, rabbits. Um, like it was, it was as country as it gets. 
really <laughs> Pennsylvania countryside, I should say. Um, so yeah, books was the only thing that my parents could use to be like, for the love of God, please just stay indoors for a little bit. We never see you. Here's a book. And that was pretty much how they would tame me as a kid. And so thinking about that, because I too grew up in Pennsylvania countryside, playing outdoors a lot, building forts and things like that, playing yes. in the woods. And so I know for myself, and I'm wondering if it's the same for you, like, did you kind of have imaginative worlds or even just play where the, you were building castles or there was armies that you had to prepare for, things like that? Oh gosh. Yes, 100%. We had these like vivid sagas that were in the forest. And I remember distinctly at one point spending a couple of days convincing some of the younger neighborhood kids that um, me and this other girl were witches and that we were cursed and that every single tree in the forest was one of our other sisters that had been cursed by some evil witch. Um, and then I think for pretty much the entire week or God knows how long um, they had desperately searched for this evil witch that we said was in the forest, the one who had cursed us. And yeah, we definitely had all of these really, really right. intense sagas. And I think so, even though, you know, I, for a long time, it took me a while and I really had to be coaxed to come inside to read. I mean, you're still kind of writing in a way, even outside. And so when did that, from that outside play, when did you actually start kind of putting these stories in some form on paper? Um, ninth grade, actually, around that same time, because that was the time that I really had to, I was not a very good writer all throughout middle school. That was actually the thing that I was really, really bad at. I had no structure, um, no concept of what a thesis was. Um, I was really bad at spelling. Just, I was horrible in every sense of the word. I think because I was so much a rural child in every sense sure. of the word. Um, so it wasn't until ninth grade when, you know, extracurriculars started to become really, really important that I realized like, okay, the only thing I really like is making stories, not necessarily writing, but just making stories. So I had signed up for this um, literary magazine club. I think it was called Portals. And that kind of forced me because nobody knew what Portals was. It was me and two other girls. And uh, this, this literary magazine had been defunct. And it was the only club that I thought would be someplace where I could kind of play and practice writing. So I'd write these horrible, horrible poems um, and tiny, tiny short stories as, as the terrible writer I was. And that was probably the first time that I actually was like, yeah, but even though they kind of stink <laughs> when I'm writing here, I have these two other girls that are giving me direct feedback. And that was kind of the first real taste of what writing really was for me. And what were those first stories that you were kind of forming and creating? What were they about, the genre, or just the topic? What was really floating to the surface at that time? All of it was fantasy. Um, I think because it was so much based on my experiences going outside and playing around in the mm -hmm. forest. And that was kind of just what I was familiar with. Um, but yeah, it was mostly uh, either really, really angsty poetry, because in ninth grade you have a lot of feelings. Sure. Of course. And um, really small, short stories about like witches and magical people who didn't have to do ninth grade. Because to me, that was that was the good stuff. Not ninth grade. Right. And so did. Did it really take hold then the writing? Uh, is that something that you kind of had an inkling for throughout the rest of high school and, you know, uh, from beyond? Or did was it just kind of a a flare-up that uh, it would take many years to kind of come back to and find. Yeah. So I kind of mentioned before that for me, 
I didn't really ever like writing. I liked storytelling. And I think there's like a very, I mean, obviously when you write, you're telling stories, but storytelling for me was just a more general thing. So there was this nebulous thing that I enjoyed doing, but didn't know how to go about really doing it and doing it well. Um, So all throughout uh, high school, it was more just like, how many different ways can I tell stories? So I, I dabbled with music. I dabbled with coding and making websites for different like fandom things. Um, obviously the short story writing and stuff like that. But um, I never really thought of myself as a writer and I never really like actually took writing seriously until maybe 10, 20 years later. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was more more something that I thought I could do for fun in the back of my mind, but it was not something I ever really took seriously until much later. So what was that much later? What was that thing that ended up bringing you back? Throughout high school, it was more, I viewed high school as a time to experiment with things, but more to do things to get into college. Then I went into college and decided, hey, creative writing might be fun, but you could only do creative writing if you had um, declared that as your major. So I think I only took one creative writing course in college. Um, And then pretty much all of my coursework in college was dedicated to getting to law school. Then I got into law school and did environmental law because I was again that Pennsylvania rural background I was really into just like protecting wildlife um and then maybe towards the end of law school I felt really really like lost and depressed um I think in part because of learning so much about the environment and the state of the world it kind of just made me bummed out all the time and I wasn't sure if I could spend the rest of my life doing that every day going to work and and basically fighting um, a battle that we would never win, essentially, right? With the with the way that politics is currently right now. So then my dad got diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer, and it kind of came this moment where I had to ask myself, "What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Is this, you know, I'm going to be depressed every day I go to work if I practice environmental law, and then I'm going to go home, and eventually my dad's going to die. And where do I channel all of this just feeling of being lost?" And so I went back to writing and I think that was kind of when it finally stuck. Like, this is how I can tell stories. Yes. But this is also how I can work through what I'm feeling through using these characters as, as proxy. So that's when it finally stuck towards the end of law school. You come back to writing under these circumstances. Was it even a thought at that point though, that it was going to be something you wanted to pursue to the point where you were going to get published and, and more and, you know, not just you kind of using it to work through things. I, I think a lot of people who first start writing are doing it just for the fun of it and, or because they're trying to work through something. And maybe there is a chunk of those people who also are like, at the end of the day, I really just want to get published. Like my dream is to actually be able to hold my books, to see them on shelves. For me, it was definitely always about just working through all of these problems. And then maybe holding a book one day would be completely secondary. I was going through so much that I couldn't even decide what I wanted my future to be, let alone what I wanted to do in the future, because that was exactly what I was trying to work through. Um, And I mean, how many people actually get lucky, right? I mean, so much of this industry is about being lucky um, and writing the exact right book at the right time and meeting the right people and so on and so forth. So at the time, yeah, I I definitely hadn't considered it because for so much of my life, 
I never really considered writing as a serious thing that I could do because I thought it was just something that happened to very few people, kind of like being a famous actor or actress, whatever. Um, so yeah, no, I, it definitely didn't cross my mind at all. And so as you kind of were, were back in the writing, were there books around you that were sort of influencing you, uh, either the way you wanted to write or just books that you were really remember maybe from around this time, uh, really loving? Yeah, I read, um, Mary Robinette Cole's, uh, book, uh, Shades of Milk and Honey, um, towards like middle end of law school. And it was this book that was very much in the vein of like, Pride and Prejudice, kind of Jane Austen, but then with magic. And I really like the story, but more than that, I also just love this like mishmash of genres that you would think shouldn't go together, but did. And it was very much one of those books that you read and you're thinking to yourself, like this author is having so much fun. Hmm. Now that was the thing that really stuck with me as I was reading this. I was like, this is an author who had a blast writing this or I was very good at pretending. I, I don't oh. really know what she was thinking at the time. I was like, wow, I I feel like this would be great. This would be very, very cathartic. I mean, it's clearly things that she loves. Obviously, who doesn't love magic? But then she loves Jane Austen stories. And she just did that and wrote this amazing book. How great is that? Um, books can become like your own personal playground to work through things. So that was the book that really kind of um, started to make me think about this a little bit more seriously, which is funny because, again, it's another kind of book that I feel like in a way didn't take itself very seriously. It was just clearly an author just having fun. And so at what point then did you start taking yourself seriously as a writer where you were actually uh, trying to get published? Uh, in a way, I never did. <laughs> I never did. <laughs> I think it was, and that's kind of the theme with these books, right? Like, because they weren't trying so hard, in a way, I stopped trying so hard because life itself was so daunting to me, you know, when I did finally graduate and I went home, there was like the half, half the battle was, you know, do I even want to practice law? And if so, now I have to find a job while also like taking care of my family that was falling apart because my dad was getting sicker and sicker. Um, so at that point I was like, you know what? I'm not, a lot of people I think would want to take writing seriously because it should be taken seriously to an extent. But in this case, I was like, this is the one thing I should like, all my life. I've tried to take, my career and stuff seriously this is the one time I won't so then it just became one of those things where like the less stress I was about writing the better my writing became in a way because I allowed myself to experiment and to just have fun and not to hold these impossible standards um and in a way when I let that go I think that's when my writing started to get better and that's when I started thinking like maybe a shot in the dark I'll take this a little bit more seriously in the sense that I'll actually try to get published and I think that's when things start to change. Right. And your first published work is, I hope you get this message, which comes out on October 22nd mm -hmm. uh, from Harper Teen. So let's talk about this. And first, give me sort of the synopsis of what the book's about. It's kind of a set in the near future where um, aliens have essentially announced um, or leaked, I should say, that Earth is one giant experiment that they've been conducting for for countless of years and that they've decided these aliens that uh earth and humanity has ultimately failed and that maybe you're maybe you're not they should terminate earth um and its inhabitants 
So this message, this, this idea that they are terminating Earth gets leaked onto Earth. And of course, in response, um, everyone on Earth starts to freak out. And so the story really closely follows these three teenagers that are very, very different, um, Jesse, uh, Kate, and Adeem, um, and how they are essentially not only coping with the news, but how they're going to essentially right all of their wrongs and deal with all of these regrets that they've been holding on forever. And so what was it that that initial idea that got you started on this book? Um, this idea of hopelessness, <laughs> ultimately um, losing control of your life and of the things that are happening around you. Um, I think the story really started with the question of like, what do you say to someone whose world is falling apart? Like, how do you give them hope? Especially when most of us these days don't really have any hope ourselves. What is the right thing to say? And, and that's really ultimately what this book is about. Like, what do you say and what do you do? And so you were, you were talking earlier about how how writing, when you came back to writing, it was just, you know, trying to have fun and really, uh, you know, not not really the pressure of anything else. But it sounds just in the description of what the idea that this was kind of a, a heavy concept uh, for you. Uh, so how did you make both things be true uh you know this feeling of hopelessness plus still you know the the exercise of writing and allowing that to be fun how did you find you were able to make those two coexist i find that the more i think about something the harder it is for me to really grasp it you know when you overthink something or you know those weird moments that you have when you start to be aware of your breathing and then you start Mm -hmm. to overthink it and then you're like oh my god i don't remember how to breathe (laughs) maybe that's an anxiety thing but that happens to me a lot and um, in a way, I was doing that essentially with every aspect of my life during that time. Um, and so for me, while I was writing this book and using these three kids kind of as proxies for the different horrible, really heavy stuff I was going through, um, I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Like all of this horrible stuff is happening. The more we think about it, the more hopeless we become. So in a way, we can't take ourselves very seriously because otherwise if we do, then you just fall into despair. And it's those moments of humor, those silly things that make us human, I think that kind of help remember or help us remember that you know, humanity isn't so bad sure. and that maybe we'll be okay. And so and it definitely you, you say hopelessness was what really started off and you definitely see that the seven days that they, they basically have left. Uh, where then uh, did the aspect of the aliens come in because because putting that the aliens aspect with like you playing in the woods as a little kid like that seems like a game that would have been played out in the woods like Mm -hmm. aliens are coming we have to prepare so yeah cornfields yeah for sure (laughs) so how did that and what step of the process then did the aliens aspect come in uh when trying to kind of wrap your head and kind of create this story around hopelessness I mean, it it could have been anything, right? It could have been evil witches. It could have been aliens. It could have been, you know, adult stress as a monster. You know, it doesn't really matter what it was. I think for me in this case, I kind of wanted to write something that was sci-fi-esque. And and in a way, the visuals of it, when you think of Roswell, um, you think, just naturally think aliens. And um, maybe I played a lot of Mass Effect at the time, (laughs) which is an alien sci-fi story so that was the first thing that popped in my head but in a way it didn't have to be aliens it literally could have been anything i think aliens just kind of work right now because that's to us the the biggest unknown 
the, sure. the biggest question right now is, are we really alone? Like if all of this horrible stuff is happening, is it just us? Mm. You know, looking out in the sky in a way that gives me hope, but that also gives me this intense feeling of like loneliness. Like maybe if there were aliens, maybe we'd be okay. Um, I don't know. So I think it didn't really have to be aliens, but it just, it just so happened it kind of was perfect for this book. And at what step of the process as you're, as you're writing this, as you're telling the story, did you kind of, did it, did you believe or did you kind of get in your head finally that this is something that I think is good enough or at least I should try to see if someone would publish this? So I worked pretty closely with um, this, this uh, company called Glastown Entertainment and they uh, uh, actually approached me um, through some contacts that I had and said, you know, we have this idea for this alien book. Um, is this something that you'd be interested in? And so when we had first started thinking about the idea, this was like right when I had just graduated law school and I had, I had just come home and it was just, what ended up happening was we had a completely different outline from what the book actually became. Um, and so then I had to essentially um, stop and we had this long discussion about like, why isn't this book working? And it, it came down to the fact that I was really, really in a dark place and was taking myself too seriously. Sure. And so um, that's when the book completely started to change because we had to stop. I had to take a step back and just kind of let go of everything that I was afraid of and stressed out about. Um, and so that's essentially what ended up formulating the book was that moment of pause and having to go back and rewrite the book with alongside Glastown. Um, and taking a lot of the stuff that I was actually dealing with and just pouring it onto the page, but in a way that was like digestible and relatable for, for everyone, not just me. Mm. And having this book then come out and, and having, you know, centered so much of it, uh, with what you were going through, has it been a, you know, a cathartic experience? Has it been, uh, an exhale in that it's, you know, it's finally coming out and, and, while there's, you know, changes that are irreversible, that this kind of is a symbol of the journey that you took uh, through it. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, there's a lot of things that I think about the book that I wish I could improve on, obviously, because sure. I've grown since since I wrote it. But at the same time, this will always be this this precious product of a horrible moment in my life that actually ended up producing something that I sincerely hope is actually going to help other people that are going through something similar to just kind of the shout in the dark that says like, you're not alone. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been cathartic and, and hopefully it'll be cathartic for others to read it. And when you were, when you were getting back into writing, was it always sort of uh, with kind of the eye for the YA category or did you kind of find that your writing best lent itself to that? I would say that every time I would sit down and write, it would just naturally come out a little bit as, as young adult. And I think in a way that's because I'm kind of my own voice is kind of stuck in the young adult sure. voice because that to me is the biggest and most beautiful transition period hmm. for, for anybody. You know, that's when you start to see the world differently. And, and to me, I think that's, that produces some of the best story writing just that time of not knowing, of not being sure, but also being at this pivot point where you can potentially change for the better or maybe even the worse. Great. So let's wind down. And as we do, I'll ask you the questions I ask 
all our guests. First one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Ooh, since we just talked about Shades of Milk and Honey, I think I got to go with um, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is just because it takes the cinematography that the book doesn't necessarily have. You know what I mean? Some books mm, these days are, sure. they read kind of almost like movies, right? And it takes that and it like quadruples it on the screen in a way that now makes me look at the book in a completely different way. Mm. So I got to say with Pride and Prejudice. Very good. It's a popular answer. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, the next question then, is there a book or a series you're willing to admit you've either never read or never finished? I've never read the Percy Jackson series. Okay. I know. I'm ashamed. One day. One day I will. Very good. And finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Uh, Sorcery of Thorns um, okay. by Margaret Rogerson. I think her name is Rogerson. That uh, gutted me. It was extremely beautiful. To me, that represents like the perfect perfect story with perfect characters. Well, Farah, I hope you get this message. comes out on October the 26th, and I wish you in this book all the best. Oh, 22nd, but close. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> all right, start all over. Got it. Gracious. So, Farah... I hope you get this message comes out on October the 22nd and I wish you and this book all the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And this wraps up another episode. I want to thank Farah Nasrishi for joining me again. Her book. I hope you get this message will be out on October the 22nd from Harper teen. I hope you'll check it out. And please check out some of our other episodes with some wonderful YA authors. I'm Brock Shetley, and until next time, keep reading.